Hello and welcome back to Diaries of a Lady Gardener. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out out, you found the right podcast. But also, you're not in the minority. Research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of young people officially think gardening is cool, mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools are proud to be sponsors of the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, so why not join me in following them on Instagram, at draper underscore tools. In this episode, I chatted to the fabulous August, an air hostess turned gardener at Le Manoir, founder of the Seed Explorers and all-round female inspiration. She is amazing and you're all going to absolutely love her if you don't already. Her garden is the most magical place I've ever seen on Instagram and I just absolutely love watching it through the seasons and getting inspiration. So this was an episode that I was super excited to record and I hope you will enjoy it. how are you oh wonderful thank you it's so lovely to see you you too rather I... than on a on an instagram grid square it's nice to see you kind of in cyber real life <laughs> yeah do you not find it funny that everyone is very much how they come across on instagram when you meet well i say meet them in real life well, obviously we're on video today but even the people i've met in real life they're exactly how i envision them from their instagram <laughs> Oh, it's so nice, though, isn't it? Because you can't keep up that facade for that long, surely. You know, like, if you're that way in your little squares, then I do think that it comes across, doesn't it? And I think, and people say, well, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, because that is really how I am every day, over-enthusiastic, and don't stop talking about vegetables, generally. 100%. But I think that that's, like, I find if I'm going to post something and I can't think of anything to say, I'm like, I shouldn't be posting it then, because... Ultimately, yeah. my feed is just like my stream of consciousness of like, I've had a thought and I've put it up. But if it's scripted, I, exactly I feel like it's not real. Because <laughs> some people plan, don't they? I think like somebody was saying to me that I you can do sort of preemptive posts, but I'm the personality. I get up in the morning, walk out into the garden, I see something, I go, oh my goodness, I need to post that now. Like it has to be done. I can't wait. I can't plan. It's just got to go. <laughs> and then Definitely. I write a load of drivel. And then it's kind of like, oh, what did I just write? Like, nobody really understands a word of what I'm talking about, but I'm really overexcited about it. <laughs> I think it just gets your, like, enthusiasm and passion across. And, like, ultimately, people, that's what people want in the gardening community. They don't want perfectly scripted um, fashion fitness model-esque type posts. It's just kind of like you absolutely thriving in your, in your garden. Living your best life covered in mud. Yes. <laughs> Although, to be fair, you are often very glam in your posts. I'm always envious. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen very often. It's like once a week on the on the chance moment that I slip out into the garden on the way to somewhere else. But yeah. the problem is, every single outfit I have has got either a hole in it from where you're clambering like I see something and I'm like oh, I need to climb over the vegetable patch and all the my shoes are just ruined everything so if, if you look really carefully in any picture it's like oh yeah there's a hole there, <laughs> there's mud there. that's me in the summer to be fair I go there after work or like I'm sure one time I was there after like the baby's birthday party or something and you end up in all sorts of outfits but I quite like it I think yeah <laughs> and it's like that whole thing of not being so precious I think once you get out there you feel like 
well, especially over lockdown, because we couldn't go anywhere. So I may as well have worn my best dress because it didn't get dusted off for two years. <laughs> Absolutely. And to be fair, who wants to faff about getting changed just to nip out to the garden? Well, especially, I think, because I, my whole garden is obviously next to the house, so it's very difficult to switch off. And I think sometimes I look at allotments and I have such envy with that. You know, you were saying that yours is sort of half an hour away and then you get that I suppose you still have in the back of your mind the worry thinking oh my goodness I do need to get there this week but Mm -hmm. I always I look out and I wake up in the morning and I look out and I think oh my goodness I should have done my dahlias especially this week when it snowed (laughs) and there was a blanket of snow all over the top of my dahlias and I haven't mulched them I haven't cut them back and it just looked like a dahlia graveyard but you know at the end of the day you just have to win some battles and then you lose some battles with gardening don't you it's like you know not trying to if you get stressed about it then the joy and the excitement and that love goes for from it doesn't it definitely and I love that you brought up a garden fail because we always talk about them and plant graveyard is one of those things where everyone has plants in their garden that are just dead or that they've forgotten in pots but we never we never sit and go or oh, you should see the plants that didn't make it onto the grid because they're tucked away in the corner oh. forgot about them I forgot to water them <laughs> oh, honestly if you saw my garden right now it it is just it is a graveyard it's just sunflowers <laughs> which I haven't managed to cut down dahlias which are definitely I after that blanket of snow seen better days and and, and I am going to do you know what for you I'm going to post a picture of my garden graveyard yes this week <laughs> just for you <laughs> thank you <laughs> I think everyone's like gardens are looking a bit like at the moment um my allotment is just a mess I know when when other people come they go oh it looks really great and I'm like yeah but you don't know what it looks like when it's really tidy and it doesn't just look like a mess of dead plants I know and then you think of all those dahlias and all those wonderful colors throughout the summer and then you kind of look around the corner and think oh it's like this brown Mm. wreck at the moment I I suppose it depends on if you planted it wisely which I'm very much a summer planter where mm-hmm. so I I'm not very good at that whole winter interest so my garden really is a summer showstopper and then in the winter it is like a <laughs> so that's something I definitely need to work on is that sort of winter interest so if anybody's got any tips send them my way <laughs> yeah me too it's something I've tried this year uh I would say I haven't really achieved all that much there there was colour for about two weeks longer. That was probably as far <laughs> as it got. <laughs> well, that's definitely a win. You're getting there. Next year, it'll be another two weeks. And in about 10 years, we'll have all round colour. <laughs> yes. I have done spring bulbs, though. And I've done them much more properly than I've ever done them before. And I've sown, like, ranunculus corms and everything. So mm. I'm trying for the early colour because oh. I think life was a bit sad until it got to summer and everything came out. I'm really jealous. Did you do the, um, did you put them in water and soak them so they all got nice and big and fat and juicy? Yeah, and they're lightly. like sausage fingers. <laughs> <laughs> they look like aliens, so they're like those mini-alien yeah. things. Oh, that, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I think I've, I did half and then I've still got half to go. But last year, my ranunculus were absolutely horrific. I sowed them in the spring and I think I lost like one a week and then the last one was I just they never even got as big as they are now like they've only been growing for like four weeks but my my other ones that have been in for like two months just 
they never grew more than like a couple of inches so oh well I think I feel for you because I had exactly the same last year and then this year I have really skipped that whole I haven't planted this is how bad is this not one tulip bulb not one last year I had 180 tulips in one place loads in other places and then um alliums and this year I've not done one oh it's the time though you haven't had the time this year (laughs) no no time no time ever but I did managed to put in my favorite things like the garlic which is a necessity of my life and I can't live without it and I think I would just be crying next year if I hadn't planted it so I've managed to get that in and my broad beans whether they'll do any good I have no (laughs) idea but you know they're there ready for action I feel like that's enough of an achievement for the winter garden what kind of garlic have you have you planted so I have got um a new variety this year I think it was a germador then I also every year I replant my garlic so Mm -hmm. I started off four years ago and then I saved the fattest juiciest cloves to then replant um, in the autumn so I've got the elephant garlic amazing um, now I've got quite a big section of that Lulu did I say Lulu Basha which I don't think you pronounce it like that this is my (laughs) epic fail I can't pronounce anything so I just kind of say it really slowly and really sort of quietly so nobody can hear me how terrible my um my varieties are um and I think oh what Solent White or something white so they were from the garlic farm in the Isle of Wight amazing Um, and it's oh I just love it I just think it's just magic and the fact they store so well as well which is to me when you go to the supermarkets you buy them and they just don't last Mm. do they no not Um, at all have you done garlic well, I garlic is one of those things that I just—it's my plant nemesis. I can't, I can't get it to grow big enough before it gets rust. And actually, the same oh, with my no. um, But I have planted elephant garlic this year from a lady at the allotment who has been saving her elephant garlic cloves for years, and she promises me that this year will be my first year of garlic success. But I feel like they've been in for a few weeks and they've not sprouted yet, and I feel like they should have done something by now. I'm a bit worried. No, the they clothes do take a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, they take a while to come through. So I think hold on in there. And and it has been like a really weird kind of weather. They like that little cold snap as well. So yeah. suddenly you'll just see that lovely little green shoot and you'll just be like, oh, elephant garlic's on its way. I'll be crying. I'll be so happy. It's one of those things, I'm sure it's one of the first things that I planted when I got my first allotment because they were selling them in Wilco for really cheap and I had no idea what I was doing, but people said you can sow garlic in January and that was when I got my allotment. And I chucked it in and I thought it had grown loads and then it got rust and I was like, oh, I don't really know what this is. I'm going to put it up. And then they were all really small. But I did make from the really small cloves, I did make like trays of garlic butter and I gave it to some friends and family. And I was absolutely buzzing that I'd made like six ice cubes worth of butter. Like everyone had like one cube. (laughs) (laughs) But that is the thing, isn't it? When you grow it yourself, every single mouthful is precious. No matter how big, how small you, it's like you have this newfound respect for that particular vegetable because it's taken so long. I don't know about you, you, the pumpkin thing is my nemesis. When I grow all my pumpkins and then my mum comes over and says, can I have one of those for my doorstep? And I'm like, no, if you want one for your doorstep, 
you go and buy it from a supermarket. If you want one of my homemade, beautiful, homegrown, lovingly, nine months for the production, then you need to eat it. And yeah. I have photographic evidence of every single meal you made with it. <laughs> I'm not a witch at all. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, but it, it, it's so true, though. You have, like, so much respect for every every little cube of veg. This year, I've had a terrible year for the veg. I've nearly given up on it altogether. But um, I've had such small morsels to take home. But I have really respected absolutely everything. And I've made, like, a proper effort to make a real meal out of every single tiny little piece of pumpkin and squash. I... Bearing in mind, every every single person on this planet has a squash glut when they sow squash. I don't know anyone who's ever failed with them. I had four squash plants and I have had two, no, no joke, squashes that maybe the size of a tennis ball. That was it. Two. Oh, don't worry. I feel like I, I was quite similar this year. Oh, really? Usually I'm, yeah, they're absolutely overflowing like that you're throwing them over the fence at the neighbors and anybody mm. that comes anywhere near you like have some courgettes have some of this have some of that but and, and here I've got all my uh, pumpkins behind me last year I had probably about 40 squashes and pumpkins like big beautiful ones this year I've got one big one and then about five or six small ones oh okay. terrible year terrible year it's it's actually quite sad but then I do think as well there is that time thing where I didn't water as much because I wasn't at home as much I have been at work so mm-hmm. the love maybe not of, and the seasons weather it's all an amalgamation of bleh. yeah it's been just a funny couple of years <laughs> yeah a couple of definitely a funny couple of years <laughs> we'll be saying that in like oh it's been a funny five old years isn't it <laughs> oh I pray that that is definitely not going to be the situation. But you know, <laughs> positivity is the key. Yes, this is absolutely. It. We're all on the homeward stretch of happiness mm-hmm. and running off all over the world into our holiday destinations of wonder. Absolutely. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> and on that note, so you are the most incredible gardener, um, but you didn't <laughs> always, you haven't always been a gardener. And I remember someone telling me that you used to be a flight attendant. Air hostess, I don't know what, what your favourite term for it is, but I was in shock. Oh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still in shock, actually. When I tell the story, I still can't quite believe that I went from that kind of industry, which is totally the opposite to, to where I am now. So I was an air hostess. This is the only thing I ever wanted to do since I was a kid. I remember being sort of five saying to my dad, I wanted to be an air hostess. So I did everything in my power to to get the job and I only ever wanted to work Virgin Atlantic because I loved the uniform and I thought it was just so glamorous and everything Mm -hmm. Um, and on my 19th birthday I applied got the job and I was there living happily ever after for um, 20 years nearly I was flying and just had the best time of my life and then it was about five years ago I opened my first packet of seeds so I'd never been interested in gardening had no um not really any love for gardening it just wasn't my thing I was that person you know there's always that person isn't to say every plant I touch dies and yeah. that was me like and you're just like no but it doesn't it's just you know it's time and patience but that's exactly what I used to say and then um we moved into our house where we are now we've got quite a big garden and I grew a few things and it all went wrong and I didn't understand why 
and it was quite frustrating but I was proud of like my one Brussels sprout that I got mm-hmm. in the first year um but I didn't know that caterpillars ate everything and so my husband bought me a vegetable planning book and that was it it was like my whole eyes just opened up my world changed so I went from traveling all over the world going to Vegas dancing through the casinos you know living my best life in that way to then going to Vegas with my vegetable planning guide and sitting around the <laughs> pool looking really like super uncool with my nose in my gardening book and sort of all everywhere I went I'd just take this book and then slowly it was the only thing I wanted to talk about the only thing I wanted to do um and I started digging up more of the garden and then one day I went to um where I work now which is a incredible kitchen garden um we went to for lunch and I walked into the gardens there um and my husband was like what is wrong with you because I felt really emotional I was like oh it's just the most beautiful gardens I've ever seen and he was like honestly I married an air hostess and you are standing in a vegetable patch crying over carrots what has (laughs) happened to you I was like, oh, I just love it. And I wonder if they have volunteers. Um, so I asked, but they didn't have any volunteers at that time. Um, and then I was in San Fran that week, couldn't sleep with jet lag, just sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is like, I just loved that garden. But I started looking at vegetable jobs. Just, I, it wasn't that I wanted to leave flying because I loved it. Um, but the first job that came up was a vegetable gardener at Belmond Le Manoir and I was just like oh my goodness I believe in signs and I believe things happen for a reason Um, and I applied and somehow they gave me the job and that was kind of where life started really changing because at what at the beginning I was flying at the weekends and working in the vegetable gardens in the week um, and then I got to a point where I was going on trips all over the world, but really missing, like FaceTiming my greenhouse, saying to my husband, come into the greenhouse and show me my plants because I'm really missing them. And and yeah, and that was it. I decided one day I was leaving flying and then I hadn't ever looked back really. So it's been quite an incredible journey. <laughs> that is the most amazing story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's funny because... Everyone has that, like, um, what one time, exclusive, one time I applied for the Great British Bake Off and I got oh through a couple of couple of rounds of the interviews and then I, I never heard back, I never got invited to bake or anything. Um, and I was like, what it is, is I don't have any sob stories from, like, my childhood or, like, stories of, like, baking with my grandparents or anything like that. Oh, That's what's no, missing. Another story. But every everyone in the gardening world, I feel like they have that, like, Oh, I discovered gardening when my grandparents in their garden and I like I think it's quite rare to find people that found it in like in like a bit of a later stage in life when they weren't a child and then yeah. kind of like got into it and were like oh my god growing stuff is really cool yeah. it's nice to meet someone else who's found it kind of like a little bit later and kind of just fell into it accidentally oh the bake-off Mr Trick there you need to keep going don't give up you'll be on there in the, the next bake-off, I expect to see you there with all your cake mixture and making pumpkin cakes out of all your lovely squashes and everything at the allotment. They've lost my loyalty since Mary Berry left, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, but um, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Berry is like my queen and her garden <laughs> is amazing. If she ever came on this podcast, 
I wouldn't even be able to speak. She is. <gasps> oh, you need to get her on. That's maybe what we could do. We could round up the troops and get her on the yes. podcast. And you could like speak to your idol. And then we could do a video one because I'd like to see it all happen in real life as well. Definitely. Well, we could come to your kitchen gardens at Le Manoir oh, yeah. and we could oh, have a little lunch yes. together. That would be lovely. I could pick all your vegetables while you're sitting having tea. Oh, we could get Ray Blanc to come and spin you up like a nice little um, fresh exquisite little dynamic lunch from the garden <laughs> fabulous I, they probably know each other they're probably friends already aren't they oh I would imagine so <laughs> must have crossed paths somewhere down the line <laughs> um but yeah qu- qu- um what do I call her Mezbez she's my queen oh Oh, she is lovely. She is amazing. And although I'm all for getting younger people into growing, I think that she is someone who, despite being older in age, she still inspires so many young people. Like, she makes me laugh to the point of tears in nearly every programme that she does. (laughs) When she's on the back back of that little moped in Italy, (laughs) when she's in her garden and she she pulled up a, um, what was it, a celeriac, she pulled up a celeriac to pop into this soup and she said, oh, it's not quite as big as it should be. Shouldn't have harvested that just yet. I was in tears. But it was absolutely hilarious. Real gardening. One. I pulled up my celeriac last week and it literally had a family of slugs that had made like a little hobbit house in it. It was just like this hole <laughs> and all these slugs, like big fat slugs. They'd obviously had this sort of celeriac party and passed out inside my celeriac. And I was like, oh, great. Oh. I've only got six and now one of them's hosting the whole slug population. <laughs> I bet they had the best time though. <laughs> oh, they were, I mean, they were big, healthy, fat slugs. So Mary's doing well. It might not be a big one, but at least she got a whole one. <laughs> well, there's a bit of inspiration for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me, what is it like working at Le Manoir? What kind of things do you get up to day to day? Oh, it is... I I honestly do when I go in and what I think it, it kind of sums it up that when I first started I kind of my interview I turned up looking like a full-on air hostess with my hair and you know I was thinking what do I wear you know if I was going for a normal interview it'd be like a little suit with stilettos and all of that and I kind of turned up for this interview and my head gardener now really laughs about it because he was just like oh when I saw you walking through the <laughs> garden I thought she's never gonna last here I am three years later um and I was really over enthusiastic which I still am but I, I remember the first time I picked potatoes in the garden um I was just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. He was like, surely this, this is going to wear thin soon. She's going to lose the enthusiasm. And still, he still says now, you know, it is that I, I can't help myself. I just get, I think as well, because when you're at home and you pick your own vegetables, I don't know what it is, but I find it quite hard to pick my vegetables sometimes because I just look at them for hours and think, oh, oh yeah. wow. But when you're in a kitchen garden, picking is your job. Oh, it's amazing. So you just go on like a picking rampage through the garden and you're not like, oh, I shouldn't really pick that because, you know, I haven't got much of it. It's like just go yeah. for it. It's like supermarket sweep in vegetable land and they're all beautiful, wonderful vegetables. And seeing the whole process from, you know, when you've grown that and then you see it, all these vegetables flowing all over the pathways, thinking, 
I've helped create that um, as a part of the team is just incredible. Um, and especially, you know, the other thing I love is that I get to work with the most inspiring gardeners and everybody has got this passion and love for what they do, which is why, you know, everybody at Le Manoir is there because they are so passionate about their particular department um, or the whole sort of the story behind it. And I think Raymond Blanc's story is really a fairy tale. And that's what I love. You know, I do a lot of the garden tours where I bring in the the history of the property and how Raymond Blanc, you know, worked so hard to go from nothing to, to create this incredible Michelin star hotel and restaurant that has had two Michelin stars for over 35 years. It's just, it's inspiring. And every day you want to, you know, that's what you aspire to is creating something or being a part of that is, it's just wonderful. And then I, and obviously for me, I don't know if you've noticed, but I really like talking. <laughs> so I get to interact with all the guests. Um, so I get to talk to the guests and about vegetables. And it's like when I was flying, I could see everybody's eyes crossing, you know. Oh, here she goes about her turnips again. Like, let's <laughs> get away from her. You know, I was like Billy No Mates on the planes. Whereas now, everybody that I come into contact with on a daily basis at work want to talk about vegetables it's like you know You've got a vegetables. captive audience <laughs> oh it's amazing and nobody gets bored you know especially after lockdown with my husband you know a year together if I even mentioned the word vegetable or carrot he'd just be like oh not again <laughs> so I'm really you know like it's verbal diarrhea coming out constantly <laughs> oh it just sounds so amazing it is you need to come and visit it's so beautiful I'm definitely going to it that that is basically like I've got about 10 different dream jobs all of them revolve around talking about plants all day every day hence hence just starting a <laughs> podcast um but it just sounds like the most immersive experience I can't I can't imagine you ever get bored or that you ever have a day where you go home and feel really like oh it was just a terrible day at work the plants were arguing with me <laughs> No, I think, and that's kind of, it, it, you know, there were the days that are colder, which mm -hmm. are a little bit more, you know, but the thing is, you're never sitting still. So to me, I look at it like my gym workout. So I go into work and I'm sort of bouncing all over the place, picking all the vegetables and trying to keep warm or you're digging, but it's beneficial mm -hmm. in every way, because even if you're just weeding, you know, obviously there are normal parts of gardening. It's not all just picking vegetables. We do have to spend a day picking up ground elder and, you know, there is that element of it. But when you see the end result, it's, you know, it, and, and that's it. It's kind of, you can't be a gardener through rose tinted glasses because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it is probably one of the most physically demanding jobs that I've, I've ever done. But um, in a different sense to flying, because that was sleep deprivation <laughs> but whereas gardening is more you know physical but you think oh you know all those calories I'm burning off and then you go into the staff canteen and eat all the beautiful delicious pastries that have come from the pastry kitchen you're like oh I just eat them all because I've been digging all day so it's this wonderful cycle of happiness <laughs> sounds like a win-win situation two of my absolute favorite <laughs> things in one place <laughs> eat pastry and dig <laughs> that is the life <laughs> 
Um, so not only do you have your amazing garden that you work in at Le Manoir, but your actual garden has, I'm guessing, undergone quite the transformation because like it's just got so many amazing things. I'm obsessed with your fire pit. Um, I think that that's probably where the inspiration for my fire pit came from. Your secret flower garden with the little door. It just looks like like you stepped into like Alice in Wonderland, the fairy tale world and your garden, like in the summer months, especially with all the dahlias and the cookouts and just everything. It, it must be the most wholesome. You live the most wholesome life of anyone I've ever known. <laughs> There are a few McDonald's sneaks in there. What? Don't the fire pit. I know. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> you just spoil everything. I know. I know. No, I do. We. I. I feel like there is that connect. The the gardening's got probably worse. Not worse because it's not in a bad way, but as in my obsession with it is is a lot down to the kids because. Mm-hmm they are my inspiration and seeing you know the creating say for example the secret garden where you've got the secret doorway that goes through the hedge and it all opens up into this daily wonderland with our little caravan Peggy and you know it's all those experiences that it's very you know obviously inspired by Alice in Wonderland and the Peter Pan the caravans or Peter Pan themes um and it kind of just goes into this tumbleweed of oh what can I do next you know how can I make it more magical for the kids and then you see for me my that my biggest um force that really made me stand back and think wow this has been so nourishing as a family was every sort of weekend I used to say to the kids you know well I still do you know what do you want on Saturday or Sunday do you want cocoa pops would you like a chocolate croissant so they have like a little treat at the weekend um and that particular day they said oh mummy can we go out and pick sugar peas from the garden like that's what we want as our treat and I thought oh I've done it like they've gone from not really eating a lot of vegetables to then Mm. actually as their treat they want to go out and pick peas and that's kind of where it then escalates into like let's grow some more and let's see that connection grow a bit more and with the the children seeing their faces when they pick their own vegetables and go on a treasure hunt for their potatoes um but then also bringing in the fairy tale element of making it a place to make memories you know I think childhood memories are some of the most magical things that last a lifetime and and I see with Winnie especially, because she was a little bit younger when I started growing, she's decided that she's vegetarian Monday to Friday because she's got a real deep connection and respect for nature. And that's all come through the garden. And, and that's what I find really drives me probably more than anything is that for the kids, really. It's really amazing. And I do think as well, like, obviously, I don't have my own kids, but the babies, my nephews are always down there with me. And I think being there with them, you see it through their eyes and you see how exciting everything is at like to be young and naive and kind of not know all the terrible things that, you know, you just kind of go almost revert back to being a child and just everything is amazing. I do think that about the garden anyway, but I think especially when the kids are there, you have that real like, I guess because you come down to their level and you're playing with them at, in a different way. You just kind of have that real moment of like, oh, life is amazing. It is. And it is magic, isn't it? Like when you put that seed into the ground and it creates like a monster pumpkin or something like that. And you think, wow, how like 
that is magic, isn't it? Like there is no other way to describe it, I suppose science, but <laughs> nah. <it>. But, <laughs> magic. It's all magic. <laughs> um, which is actually brings me on to my next point because for Christmas this year, Tanya, if you're listening, you have to cover the baby's ears. They are <laughs> gonna get um I think probably the edible flower circus they're going to have for Christmas. Oh, and then lovely. the summer vegetable library for their birthday because it's in March because they really love the allotment and they have learned so well this year. Like I cannot believe that they're two and a half and that Finn and Noah planted tulip bulbs perfectly with me a few weeks ago and they were going, bye tulip, bye. Oh. They can They'll see a picture of it like on my phone or in a shop or something and they can they know that a tulip looks like a tulip was a bulb and then it turns into a flower and for them to just watch it next year with that because it will be the first year they're probably old enough to kind of have a bit of an understanding I just think it's going to be magical and they try everything and they're not really afraid of anything they're just kind of like you can open them up to everything so the edible um is it the edible flower circus my absolute yes. favorite it's amazing oh, it's so I think what I, I obviously when I was creating the seed explorers it was very much trying to engage children and and bring to life a little that bit of that magic and connect maybe more so you know yes we can all buy a packet of seeds and obviously it's a lot cheaper and everything like that but with the seed explorers it is this whole connection so when Posey all the characters have been named after my children a family member um or a friend so we've got some real fun ones that say for example Paula Pumpkin was my mum because my mum's the artist as well Mm -hmm. so she's she's designed all the artwork and she sort of designed herself as this really sexy pumpkin and I was like no mum you are a big warty (laughs) change the artwork like, come on, this is what you are, Paula Pumpkin. Um, but, you know, like everybody that's grown Paula Pumpkin, I get these pictures and it's like, here's our Paula. And it, it kind of just builds this bond with the actual vegetable. And like when we sit around the sun, having Sunday lunch, we're eating Babs beetroot, which is my aunt. And we're like, oh, fairy spangles, Auntie, Auntie Barbara, we're eating you for lunch. And, and, and I think it is that. And then we're also... I bring in stories so each character has a story that goes behind it and especially like you were saying with the flowers um I've tried to put a lot of facts in there as well so you know we go on a garden villains hunt so you're also trying to differentiate between you know your edible flowers and your non-edible flowers so I think that's really important to Mm -hmm. obviously say well yeah these are beautiful edible flowers and then there's also these garden villains that are going to make you feel ill so it's you know you know we very much say don't eat that but I think in the garden you know I could say to Winnie go outside pick me posy peas or pick me um C- Clarence calendula um Cornelius cornflower and she goes out and she's like here's Cornelius cornflower mummy and she knows or that she's often walking around the garden with Diana Dahlia and eating all my prize dahlias. <laughs> like, you know, when you get them just perfect and they look stunning. And then she goes walking through the garden with it like a lollipop. Um, but, and it's just, it's just, I mean, it's, to me, I read it and I look at it and I just absolutely love it. And um, I'm just in the process as well of 
we've just rolled it out at Le Manoir. So all the guests, um, the children have the whole experience. So when they arrive in their room, they have the Seed Explorers box that they can take home and plant in their gardens. Um, and we're just creating an adventure trail throughout the gardens oh, wow. as well, which is going to be amazing. So they can sort of like find all the different vegetables lurking within the vegetable patch. So um, That's yeah, so it's cool. really exciting. Really will, that be, exciting. will that be on next summer? So yes, so we it's we start in the winter, so there's okay. still things for the children to do throughout the garden. So I'm sort of incorporating um, little areas of the garden so they can go on ex- explorations. Um, and we've got a bespoke Le Manoir pin as well, which is the scarecrow in the garden. So oh. it's um it's really it's just so lovely. And every I mean I'm such an emotional person, and every time I get a picture of you know, a child and they've just opened their box or with a pumpkin or with their posy peas or with their beetroot that they, I just cry. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like an emotional wreck. That's so but lovely though. That you've kind of been a part of that child learning that where their food comes from. Um, Cause you know, I, I, I also did teaching. So I was teaching at a school um, in Hayes and it is, you know, trying to get that healthy connection with food as well. Cause it's, you know, not all of our kids know where, you know, chips have come from. They think they come from a bag from the freezer, not from the ground. I mean, it's amazing how many adults as well say, oh, I didn't realise potatoes grown in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I did, to be fair, five years ago. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was absolutely oblivious to it all. So um, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Definitely. But I think as well, because it's so sometimes so difficult to get children to eat their veg. And I think that supermarket veg versus homegrown veg, even if you say you don't like sweet corn, if you've grown not grown homegrown sweet corn, you can't really say that you don't like sweet corn because it just tastes completely different. It's nothing like the things you buy off the shelf. So actually getting people, children especially, to grow it and taste it from their own kind of like you have such a vested interest in you've sown that seed and you've watched it for months and it does take a long time. I'm not saying it's necessarily the cheapest way to eat vegetables because you can buy no. ridiculously cheap veg in the supermarket. It's not the quickest way to eat vegetables, but it definitely is the most rewarding. And it's one of those things that like, I just don't think I'll ever forget that first year when I couldn't believe that anything had grown and then like eating the first corn on the cob and I was like, I've never tasted anything like this. I can't believe that it. it's so delicious. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh. And then you share it with someone else who's not really into that, into gardening. And then they're like, oh, well, no, that that's actually, um, oh, I'm quite impressed. I didn't think it was going to be as nice as it is. Yeah. And then you're like, yes, yeah. And when you do a dinner party and it's like, okay, so not only have I cooked this, but I've <laughs> grown it. It's like, oh, win-win. I mean, how can you beat that? You can't, can you? No. I it's... mean, however, the cooking element is, I'm not that great at cooking. So I'm, I'm just happy with the, the growing side. Mm. The husband does the cooking bit. I'm actually, that's where I fall down as well in the cooking. I bake courgettes last year, because I had a courgette glutton last year, obviously. Um, I think I baked <laughs> about 10 courgette cakes. Because I was like, ooh, courgette cake, yum. Ooh, does anyone else want a courgette cake? I've got 10 courgettes left to use up this week. <laughs> but um, but do yeah. you find as well that you feel, once you've done a day in the garden or you've done a day in the allotment, and then you get home, you're exhausted. Mm. I think it's all in the planning. You know, I, I feel like I don't plan, but I then don't want to cook when I get in. I just think, oh, no, I'm so tired. So it's like maybe a bit more forward thinking of, 
cooking before I go out into the garden. So it's all ready for when you come home and feel like exhausted. Definitely. I've tried to get a bit more this winter in particular into, I say, I've tried to get, I've made one preserve this winter and now I basically think oh. I'm in, into preserves. <laughs> I made canning. Yeah. <laughs> all about the canning this year. Um, I've made three and a half jars of sweet chilli jam with my green tomatoes that never ripened and the chilies that I grew. I was dead proud. Everyone's giving me rave reviews and I'm so I'm so thrilled with it because I've never made a nice chutney or jam or anything before. But um, oh, yeah, now now I'm a preserver. It's my thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Have you saved one for Christmas though? Like just for Christmas Day? Christmas cheeses. <laughs> I keep telling people they can have a jar and then I get through another jar and I'm like, they're not having that jar. It's all precious, precious stash of food when you grow it, isn't it? I remember making a jam once and it was a cherry jam and I I have to put all the nets over the trees to make sure that the birds don't come down and eat it. So I did it all and then I went to put my like my knife into the jam and it was literally like a boiled sweet and it had oh, taken no. me hours to make this jam and it was just horrendous, horrendous. So I just failed in the in the cooking fail <laughs> but how did how do you find cooking on the fire pit though oh I love it that different is... kettle of fish isn't it yes but then do you find it's quite it's all t- trial and error I think with mm. the whole and it takes a long you know it's a whole but but in in that sense I love it because it's more of a day mm. by the time you put all the wood it's you know it takes a good couple of hours to get enough wood to get it going for the whole afternoon um but it's more of a family event I feel than definitely cooking inside is just like oh put the oven on whereas outside it's like a whole thing and then we do the marshmallows I mean, you have to have marshmallows every time you do a fire don't you I mean 100%. it's just a necessity so what's little... been your favorite dish from mm. the fire pit to be fair we had a couple of good barbecues over the summer and it's just nice to kind of like chuck anything on there like like a few grilled spring onions some burger sausages corn on the cob I just I'm obsessed, oh. obsessed with homegrown corn on the cob but corn on the cob on the fire pit I did try to do baked potatoes but they were lumps of coal and they were not oh no no what a yeah. shame but what I really need to do is get like a pot or a frying pan or something because because I've only got the grill over the fire pit I sort of struggle with Certain things that you we've done camel oh we did camembert that was pretty epic oh <gasps> oh my goodness I bet that was amazing yeah. I just had like a little flashback we um had been, <laughs> literally we were there and it was like basically night time by the time we got there and we'd picked up a camembert some like crackers and chutneys and different bits from the shop and we'd done this like full on table spread and I'd like cut little bunches of flowers and this this is what I was going to say earlier about the veg smugness you have of like you you walk around with a bouquet of flowers and be like, ooh la la, bouquet of flowers, ooh, oh lovely, ooh. And then someone goes, Oh, what a lovely bunch of flowers. That's really pretty. And you go, Oh, thank you. I grew it myself. <laughs> and it's no, there's nothing like it when you have that like moment of like, oh, I did that. <laughs> so I decorated the table with those posies. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, because your sweet peas are amazing. Thank you. I have my fingers crossed for the best sweet PTP year ever. Um, previous episode, I said that I wasn't doing a sweet PTP this year. The willow has failed. That was an update. So 
this year I have actually <sighs> autumn sewn them for the first time ever I say I've autumn I haven't autumn my sister has autumn sewn them she's got them on her balcony in my cold frame away from the mice and it's like a quite a good sheltered balcony gets enough sunlight they look the strongest they've ever looked it's got cold now so they look like they're going to stop and I am so excited I've only ever had like January February March sewn ones and the ones last year were just insane. The stems were like 40 centimetres. It kept blooming until oh. like November. It was insane. Oh, oh how lovely. Oh, I mean, you know, I accidentally, I did, <laughs> I accidentally planted some sweet peas in amongst my peas because I got them a little bit muddled. Um, and they were the best ones. They grew mm. so fantastically. And I don't, I think because it was such a great spot, whereas usually I end up, putting them sporadically over the garden they were just fantastic and but they weren't supposed to be there and then I never had the heart kind of move them so they sort of just lived among the peas and it was quite a good thing with the kids I was like don't eat you know those peas because they're not the same as those peas it's but but it's a good lesson like they learn so much better when I make terrible mistakes (laughs) (laughs) it's not a terrible mistake the first year my TP was peas and sweet peas and I to be fair I didn't know what I was doing so I just chucked it in and I thought but it was really cool because you could get like the babies weren't born then but you could get kids to come and like pick them out and it was much more exciting because on the inside they kind of like fall inside so they're a bit easier to spot and then the ones on the outside you're kind of like rummaging around it's a bit more of a treasure hunt that way I loved it oh beautiful oh it's just all so magic isn't it some of the mistakes are the best the best things that happen aren't they Mm, absolutely um, on the flower topic, if you could only grow one flower, what one flower would you grow? Oh my goodness! Oh, oh I don't listening. know. That's a tough one because I think what do I use a lot? I do love a calendula, mm. and the only negative with the calendula is you can't eat the leaf. Well, you, yeah, I don't think leaves are particularly like an edible. Um, but I love that they just grow and grow and grow, and I love the fact you can save all the seeds. And they're so easy to. To grow but then the dahlia oh like how can you not want to grow dahlias and then amaranth with those beautiful long you know oh with the te- they look like big giant cat's tails and then all the leaves are edible yeah so- see i didn't know that the amaranth was edible until oh. can't even think where i was oh it might have been i've got microgreens amaranth microgreens and I was like oh what? yes what do you mean amaranth oh. microgreens I can't wait yes. for it next year so even the apparently it's like a superfood so the seeds you can sprinkle them on salads and it's oh, kind yes. of like you know like we are all into quinoa and all of that kind of stuff it's kind of like a superfood like that and then the leaves I mean I wouldn't really want to eat a whole bowl of amaranth leaves, <laughs> you know like a lot of these things you think oh you know maybe not but just the odd one, or if you're running low with your spinach or lettuce, put it in with your stir fries. So it's just an extra little bit of greenery to pad out a dinner. And oh, it's just wonderful. And they just look so amazing. Yeah. But super, super versatile. Oh, I mean, it's a tough one, can, isn't it? You can eat it and it's great for cut flowers. Yes. I do like the edible cut flowers. So mm-hmm. I feel like. They're my favourite. That's my favourite section is edible cut flowers. That is a winner. Um, and I love a herb, <laughs> herb in a bouquet as well. Like anything oh. that kind of like elevates that experience of it not just looks pretty, but it's also tasty. Oh, so It smells incredible. 
if I could get married again, I would have a whole edible bouquet. Have you seen some of these ones with all the tomatoes in? No. All these just, oh, like artichoke flowers and like bunches of carrots. I would literally walk down the aisle in my wellies with a huge bouquet of edibleness, wonderful stuff. Well, I think... I'm actually a maid of honour next year, my sister's wedding. So um, I I said I'd grow all the wedding flowers and we'd pick the flowers for the bouquet, but I think that someone else might be walking down the aisle with some vegetables. Oh, don't know how serious that will be. Like, oh, green with envy. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so cool, though, even if it's just my bouquet. I'm 100% going with I've it. I've seen so many beautiful, you'll have to like look, I don't know where that, like I'm sure you can Google it, but there is some really stunning like vegetable slash flower bouquets out there for inspiration. I am getting right on Pinterest after this. <laughs> Made a note of that one. <laughs> we already decided in a previous podcast that we were definitely going to have herbs in the bouquet. And um, I think any addition that comes from the garden yes oh winner. you need um lemon verbena that's yes. a necessity to your bouquet because that's got that it just is that beautiful smell is just amazing I've heard a lot about lemon verbena I feel like it's something I really need at the allotment because people put it in cocktails and things like that and like um oh squashes what would you call a squash what's the fancy name for a squash? yeah and it's also nice in tea as herbal tea the only mm. ne- negative well it's not a negative it's just a fact of the gardening world it's just not hardy so you would probably have to bring it inside in the winter which is a little bit annoying but or if it was near a warm sort of part of the house and depending on where you are in the country some people have it growing like vigorously in the garden but um we grow it at work and we lift it every year and bring it into polytunnels just just for that frost covering because it's not really really frost hardy or even a bit Mm -hmm. of fleece better chance in the greenhouse but it it is a necessity even though I don't have any but I see it at work (laughs) every day and the pinch a little leaf here and there and make a nice little lemon verbena tea or it's my Mm. favorite little morning treat (laughs) I don't even mind that it needs lifting because none of my other herbs need lifting so there's not really that much in the allotment that gets lifted and put in the greenhouse so it's a must grow for 2022 (laughs) (laughs) my list for growing in 2022 is at this point ridiculous but um oh that's see I've gone the other way I went last year it was absolutely bananas and this year I'm kind of scale I've started to slowly scale down to the things that I really eat mm. rather than getting bamboozled and overexcited with the the whole array of colorful vegetables yes I have this thing at work I'm always obsessed with new weird wonderful varieties and then um, my head veg gardener is like but does it taste nice I'm like oh no but that's not the point <laughs> lovely, though. that would be me as well sort of battle yeah with the whole culinary you know everything uh, Le Manoir is very much taste whereas I am in my own garden at home I'm very visual as mm. well as the, which I think we are aren't we it's just you know there's nothing better than seeing these bright coloured different vegetables you can't find in the supermarkets even if they don't taste very nice (laughs) especially in your own space because you're not necessarily just growing for food on the table you're growing because it's like a therapeutic experience and because you really love it and it's exciting when you see that first purple bean or I really want to grow purple potatoes apparently they don't even taste very nice but I just think that they look really cool oh yes 
<clears throat> I, we do purple ones and we do the pink ones. Um, they're, well, they're not pink, they're red, but they look, once you mash them, they go a bit pink. We make, it, it is actually looks revolting, but my kids love it because they call it unicorn mashed potato. <laughs> so we mash the pink ones and the purple ones together. And then when you put the, <laughs> the mashture in, it comes up like purple and pink. It's amazing. Really quite magical. <clears throat> that is but cool. then sometimes when you cook it a bit too much, it goes a little bit grey and then you really don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Tricky though, but trial and error, isn't it? Um, what you said about yeah. growing what you really want to eat next year. So my plan for next year is that I'm going to, I'm reducing the vegetables I grow by probably about 60% because the flowers bring me more joy than the vegetables. And so I feel like it's just a bit more attainable. The vegetables haven't gone well since my first year of growing where I just had beginner's luck and I grow I end up with like nothing of the stuff I want and then like bucket loads of something that I just cannot get rid of quick enough and it just ends up being compost and I'm like if I just grew a smaller amount and focus growing like quality let's get these 10 veg right and then to put the rest into flowers I think I would probably enjoy it much more and get more out of my actual veg rather than ending up with like one of this one of that one of that and then the rest just being a dead dead seed yeah <laughs> and I do think the flowers especially for doing daily those really big beautiful flowers there is something quite incredible about it like how nature creates those colors and those shapes and it's all you've made it is is like I know nature makes it but you feel like you've created it and it's just mind-boggling isn't it and everyone is different in like a little like I, even with my cafe au lait dahlias this year like every single one had a slightly different coloring like at the beginning of the season they were a lot more pinky and then they went into more of like that coffee latte kind of color oh. later in the year and then like you go back every single day and something has changed or something else has bloomed and it's just a really like magical you could make a bouquet every single day and it would have different flowers in because different things bloom at different times and yeah it's just amazing it's just such a beautiful process isn't it and I think I mean I don't I know there's lots of hobbies are really rewarding but I feel like it is like up there in definitely one of the top 10 most rewarding hobbies in in the history of life (laughs) definitely because even when you get home and you're absolutely knackered from a day there you have it's that really like satisfactory sense of being tired it's not like hungover tired or end of like working in front of a screen all day tired it's like a real like I've achieved a lot today and I've done good and I can sleep at night tonight knowing that I've I've earned this rest Oh, definitely. And I I think to me as well, I get home and even if it's not doing something in the garden, like digging or planting, sowing, sometimes I can just spend two hours just staring at it. And that to me is therapeutic, just sitting there looking at the butterflies coming in, the bees landing on the vegetables and just looking at it all in all thinking, wow, yeah I've created that like I mean I think I probably that isn't 80 percent of my gardening actually is just staring at what I've actually done in in like wow and you see like you say there's always something new isn't there and it's just so wonderful I think that that's a leaf I need to take out of your book because I never sit down and just enjoy it and then when there's other people there I sit down but all I can see is the weeds and I can't I can't see past it 
But on the very odd occasion when I'm really tired or when I've had a really stressful week, I sit down for like 10 minutes and I look out and I have that real appreciation. But it's just because you know what it's like, you're so busy and there's always so much to do. Like I really struggle to actually just sit down and be like, just enjoy what you created. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I've taken this year I did with the kids. We used to get a little blanket and sit in the middle of the vegetable patch and have our have our breakfast or we try and have our sort of tea out there so we kind of are submerged in and around it um I mean it's been not as great this year because we did have chickens and and it is a little bit of a reminder at the moment you know we're still kind of in that process of um the fox I don't know why I spell it out but the, <laughs> the kids aren't here I'm like so used to spelling things out even though they know how to spell now <laughs> it just becomes this bad habit um yeah so it kind of we do go out there and they were just such lovely little sort of clucking around so we kind of go out and it's a little bit sadder than normal but um I'm still thinking maybe in February we might get some more but oh it's just yeah risky isn't it but so many people say that it's real it brings so much personality into her gardens oh that was my other thing because I think that's where I was going with it that is that was another probably 80% 80% of my life was just spent sitting staring at the chickens like <laughs> we just sit there like stare at them walking backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and it's just like a whole the whole process and connection with it all and then you pick the eggs up and oh it's just marvelous being able to have a whole meal from your garden that you haven't had to go to the supermarket that to me is sheer delight heaven like epic wonderfulness Definitely. And it's so much easier to do than people think. Like, I know that everyone thinks that growing stuff is really, really difficult and you need to have like green fingers and whatnot, but it just isn't. And I think it it is one of the most, like, like say, rewarding, satisfying things you can do, even if it's just in a few pots outside. Like you can have a whole array of herbs and edible, edible flowers in just a little pot outside your front door. You don't need a whole allotment or farm to grow your own little bit of magic. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. I'm, I mean, and I'm actually thinking of scaling back because the more you have, it becomes more pressure. So I think it is that. And and when you grow in the pots and everything, and, it, and I do find with my garden, because there's parts of it that are quite far away. And I tend to use the majority of the stuff that's at the back door because you can just pop your head out, pick it and hop straight back into the kitchen whereas if I think I've got to sort of go all the way across to the other side so I'm kind of creating more of a kitchen garden at the back door to yeah be a bit more sort of salady herbs like quick grab kind of a quick grab garden that sounds fun doesn't it (laughs) grab and go (laughs) new trend that's what I love about growing microgreens though because I don't have an outdoor space where I actually live like it's amazing to have a little burst of flavor and nutrients like just growing on the windowsill it doesn't need too much time and effort it's just kind of like there when you feel like you need a lot of the time it's I'm really busy and I get in and I'm cooking something really really quick and I just feel like I need a bit of health <laughs> need a bit of health and oh, I know. into the plate and you can chuck it in a wrap you can chuck it on a soup like it's so all of the flavors seem to go with everything so it's just really easy like especially pea shoots I could just eat pea shoots as a snack oh oh, I love pea shoots they're one of my favorites and we do a lot of um we have a big huge microgreens area at work so we have like one polytunnel just dedicated to micros and they're the then the flavor 
is so intense when it's a small leaf and the amount of nutrients there's so many more nutrients in it when it's that baby leaf than yeah. when it's a full-grown plant um, and you could get greens in five days like radish is so quick isn't it to bish bash bosh job done you've got a whole pot of um radish but i also use um takeaway containers you know any sort of recyclable containers to to grow it on the windowsill you don't necessarily have to use super span dangly equipment as long as it's got the light and you've got the water and a little bit of love um you can pretty much grow everything can't you definitely it's such a good entry point for people like just getting started but also i think great for i, th- I think just even for the just even if i just do it for the winter while i can't go out and be in the garden quite as much as i'd like because i'm scared of the dark <laughs> at least i can come home and play with my micro greens <laughs> And it's a nice thing because you can do it with the kids as well. I did little, um, like the egg ones with the children. Um, and I also, my other thing is, I, I look at, this is the perfect time of year. You know, when you've opened your seed packets, you don't know whether they're going to be in day, out of day. And I just Google every single seed I've got. And if I've got a load of it left over from the season, I Google it. Is it edible? Yes. Chuck it in as a micro. Like things oh, really? like turnips. Turnips are you can use that as a micro so it's it's just kind of like looking at all your seeds and thinking right even sunflower seeds I mean we have I've got loads of sunflower heads that Mm. I've saved you can grow those as micros pumpkins so I think for me it's just using any or if you've got a packet of seeds I mean I've got some seeds that are five years out of date that I really need to use like beetroot stick that in a container off you go like you've got beetroot micros and they're just delicious they've got that earthy wonderful beetroot flavor to them that's such a good idea there must be hundreds of seeds in my seed box that are out of date but I just can't ever bring myself to throw them away <laughs> yeah grow them all through the winter as a little micro on the windows it watercress I mean there's so many um that are fabulous throughout the winter months as well and it's like you can try so many different things through the winter and just figure out which ones you really like. And then next year you can carry on with which ones you do you really love. Oh, it's, it's a whole wonderful world of growing out there, no matter how much space you've got. As long as you've got a windowsill, you're kind of away with it. Definitely. Oh, I just want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll freeze. <laughs> I know. Well, I just feel like we'll be so we'll be welcoming spring with open arms as soon as the daylight levels start oh. increasing again. Oh, and the window still start filling up, and and like my husband's just like oh, on the verge of exploding because there is not an empty window surface throughout the house, and there's mud everywhere. Yeah, it it's a little crumb turns into crumbs of soil that just happened to be scattered across all the windowsills everywhere and then the fungus snaps in bed <laughs> the house and there's flies everywhere and it's I mean it's so glamorous so glamorous <laughs> but, but amazing like that is the time isn't it when you start everything starts bursting off the windowsills and you're just like oh I just can't wait to get it outside and the oh, whole process so starts again I've done um it's like all- Christmas isn't it it really is. It's like the Christmas of like January, February. <laughs> um, I've actually autumn sown autumn sown flowers for the first time ever. And I feel like it's really plugged a bit of a gap between the flowers stopping blooming and now when it's just a bit cold to 
be outside for long periods of time um but it's been really really nice to kind of like keep something ticking over and growing in the greenhouse and it's kind of like it almost is that little bit of hope and you know that they're going to stop growing and they're just going to kind of sit steady for the winter but knowing that they're there and ready to go as soon as the light starts increasing is amazing it's amazing how sturdy they are as well because I did some sweet peas um not sweet peas I did sweet peas last year but um oh what are they called um sweet William I think oh yes and, and I they were just in a tray I'd surface sewn them into a tray and it came to the next spring and I had to get a knife out because the roots had got so thick it literally looked like a piece of polystyrene it was just white with all these roots I had to sort of saw them all into cubes and plant that into the garden and they've come back again they're oh, wow. that, that's from from last year's sewing and it, it's amazing how we think they're so delicate sometimes but actually there's some of these plants are so robust it's incredible how I mean how they survived my kitchen carving knife I don't know <laughs> I, I don't think, recommend that at home <laughs> I think sometimes we forget that nature can kind of do it without us we're just doing it like giving them a helping hand and putting them where we want them to be yeah exactly exactly they generally that nature is they fall off the plant and onto the floor and do their little thing and we're just like oh no it's not gonna work but it does it's it's incredible I think that was one of the things that really amazed me this year and this is one of those things where you never stop learning as like a gardener or a grower um but I was the first year that I really got the whole like self-seeding and I was like looking at plants and being like, oh, there's little seedlings at the bottom. And I was like, isn't that funny that in my head, you must save the seeds and like dry them before they could be. But actually, of course, the plant just drops them and they make new plants because they don't need us. to. They don't need a human to scatter them for them to live. I know. It's amazing. And things I found like this year was it was like sunflowerville in my garden. I'm not very good at sacrificing anything. So these sunflowers were popping up everywhere. And I hadn't even planted mine out into the garden because I was like, oh, I can't, I've got to wait until the frost because they're going to all die because they're not frost hardy. So I'm going to wait until, you know, that that far last bit. And these ones that self-seeded, they, they weren't bothered by any of all these frosts or anything. They were strong, healthy. And then I split them all up, planted them all over the garden. And then my little ones that I'd started on the windowsill, they just sort of like, boom, died. <laughs> <laughs> they like to grow naturally where you know they become sturdier plants in in the area where they're going to grow them definitely we shouldn't baby them as much quite as much as we do probably yeah definitely or start them off too early which i'm so guilty of so guilty january february when you see people starting to sow their tomatoes and chilies and you're like must hold off must hold off must hold off (laughs) and then you're like I can't do it anymore I'm gonna have to do it because I just need to I need to have that first seed zone of the year (laughs) I do it every year and that every year there's maybe like five people who message me going I know you're gonna give in I know you're gonna give in before the end of February and you're gonna sow something I'm like no I won't I won't I won't do it I'm gonna try this year because I really do but like my tomatoes they all died and before I even got them to the garden. So I had to do a second sowing. So this year I'm really trying to hold back. But I say, like you, I say that and it's an absolute load of rubbish. I won't. <laughs> we can do this. We, we can, can be strong. <laughs> right. As much as I would absolutely love to carry this episode on for the rest of the evening, 
um i think we should probably just pause it there but thank you so much it's been amazing to chat to you and hear all about your amazing gardening life i'm just gonna go and quit my job now and find a job as a in a kitchen garden (laughs) come and work with me please (laughs) oh thank you it's been so lovely it's so nice to talk you know i know i like talking about gardening but it's so lovely to meet sort of meet you kind of but we will yeah. all meet in real life soon we should have we like a little shindig afternoon somewhere like a garden exploration afternoon sounds fabulous and me and the babies <laughs> are definitely coming for the um little summer adventure hunt at the manoir oh, also yeah you'll love it you'll love it and i'll take you around and give you a little oh, talk can't wait <laughs> <laughs> thank you August is quite possibly my new favourite person on Instagram. I had so much fun recording this one and just came away feeling so inspired by her journey, her passion and her overall loveliness and willingness to share. I've ordered the baby's edible flower circus. We're going to be having the best summer and I'll definitely be planning a visit to Le Manoir next year as well. Who's with me? If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your questions and stories on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Mm-hmm.